Welcome to the Road Trip uh, Podcast. And yeah, today we are uh, continuing with the N8. Uh, we left off with the N7. And uh, yeah, Diedrich, tell us what's happening on the N8. How's it, dear? Well, good morning, morning, morning. Ah, cold, crisp, cold winter morning. Watching oh, the yes, sunrise, watching the sunrise yes. behind my PC screen. That's always cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, we did, we did the N7 in the last podcast, and it's the one that goes from Cape Town all the way up to Fjordstrup. And again, that's, that's such a beautiful part of the country. But the N8 now, the N8 is one of these highways that runs uh, east-west across the country. Okay. And it stretches from, literally from Lesotho, Maseru, Maseru in Lesotho, through Bloemfontein, Kimberley, and then across the Farfalat, the Fluctus of Nothing, <laughs> and and heads out towards Uppington. It doesn't quite hit Uppington because Uppington Uppington sits on the junction of the N14 and the N10, and the N10 is a hell of a highway that that stretches. It's one of those highways that stretches right across um, South Africa, and that's going to take us quite a while. So it goes all the way from Namibia right through to um, PE or Kaberga. Yeah. <laughs> and the N8, the N8 intersects, intersects the N10 then that Groblis Hoop, which is just south of Uppington. So it covers, it covers an awesome part of the country. And what I enjoy about that, the, the N8 is you're almost following, um, the route of the Kharip River. The Kharip, the Orange River, the Kharip has its origins in the highlands of Lesotho and flows out past Kimberley, Uppington, and um, empties into the sea just south of Namibia. Yeah. Uh, the Orange, the Kharip is a huge, huge drainage system. I think I mentioned before, it drains over 25% of the land area of South Africa. And the N8 is one of those highways where you constantly, you're kind of following bits and pieces of the, of the, of the Kharip and you, you know, you're seeing um, some of the irrigation things and the farming and everything. So it gives you a little bit of an idea of the, the impact of it, you, 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 you to the south of the of the Kharip, but it still gives you that that feeling. But anyway, so the N8, and we're gonna we're gonna start out in the eastern side because it's it has its origins. The N8 officially starts at the sort of border of South Africa and Lesotho, just where the the, the border post to get into the capital city of Lesotho is in Masiru. But I think this. You can't mention Lesotho without um, mentioning the founder, the founder of of Lesotho, the the founder of the Basotho Nation, King Mosheshwe. Yeah, and just outside of Maseru is actually his grave on a place called uh, Tavabosiu. And Lesotho was formed. It's actually an artificial a little bit of an artificial nation because it was basically formed because of King Shaka and Shaka's army raids in the early 1800s around right up from KZN through the Free State and that entire area. And all the refugees sort of coalesced in the mountains of Lesotho. Yeah. Mosheshwe was the leader that came out of this and managed to consolidate them into a brand new nation. So the Basotho nation as we know it only really goes back to the mid 1800s. Yeah. And, um, 
Mushesh was one of those guys who fought a couple of the wars with the Boers. We chatted about some of those gun wars and things on one of the previous podcasts. He fought three different wars with the, with the Boers. The Boers never managed to um, conquer Lesotho. And he actually accepted British protection for Lesotho. So Lesotho has always been this like independent little spot, completely surrounded by South Africa. But Tabubusi was a little bit very, very cool spot to, to visit. And just down the road from his grave is actually where the um, Battle of Tababusiu happened in Lesotho. And we mentioned Low Vepinat. I think it was yesterday, the, day, the, the, the two two podcasts ago, Low Vepinat. Yeah. The spot where Low Vepinat actually died is here in, in Lesotho. And Low Vepinat gave his name to that, that bravery medal. Um, that the South African Armed Forces used to use before the Honoris Crooks and the other one came out. Yeah. But then you go into, into Masiru. Masiru to me has always been a really horrible, scrappy spot. It's never, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a, it's, it's a real commercial, dirty little business town. You know, it's got very little attraction as it were. Yeah. But what, what is of interest there is there's actually an old Spitfire on display in Masiru. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> nice. Um, it's a, okay, it's a replica. It is a replica of a World War II Spitfire. But it was donated by the, an organization called the Spitfire Heritage Trust, who are based in the UK to honor Lesotho's role in World War II. And. Okay. 20,000 soldiers from Lesotho actually served in World War II. Oh, 20, wow. 20,000. And that's kind of one of these little forgotten pieces of history when, when you always hear about all the accolades and stuff, that there were a whole lot of Basutus fighting in World War II as well. Yeah. And um, Lesotho, believe it or not, also donated to the war fund. And... They actually paid for 25 Spitfires that flew as number 72 Basutu Land Squadron. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. No, however interesting. Yeah. (laughs) It's not uh, widely known, I think. No, no. But what I love, and one of the things that I love about Lesotho and the Basutus is their blankets. Oh, yeah. You know, the iconic picture of a Basutu is this guy on his pony up in the mountains and he's wrapped in these beautiful blankets. Now, you can buy these blankets and there's only one company in the world that still has the royal charter, believe it or not, to make the proper Basutu blankets. Okay. And they are, they are stupidly expensive, but these things, it's a double weave pure wool blanket. And in my house, every family member has got a Basutu blanket because if you have a Basutu blanket in winter, you don't need anything else. <laughs> okay. Seriously, my, my kids put it over their beds. I, we, for my, for myself and my wife, we've actually sewn two together to cover the double bed. But <coughs> the Suju blankets have got a huge history of symbolism and designs on those blankets. They always look very ornate. And believe it or not, there's actually one design called the Victoria England Spitfire. Oh, yes. And it's actually a Spitfire propeller. Ah. And on, on our app, you're going to have, you're going to have to download the app to see it. We've actually got a picture of that design. 
the Spitfire design on the Basutu blankets. And you got the main, the main design is the actually four bladed propeller. And then in between the propellers are actually pictures of Spitfires. And oh, it's, one of wow, the most popular, it's one of the most popular, um, blankets sold, okay. sold in, 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 in the city. I know, yeah. I know that, that, I know that that Spitfire was, was, being refurbed or redone or something and they'd removed it from fixing it. And I, I'm not sure if it's back. I think it might actually have been put back very, very recently, but I speak under correction there. But that's just a hell of an interesting little spot of the number 72 Basutu Lens squadron who fought in, yeah. in, in the Battle of Britain. Really, really cool. Yeah. And, and right it, next if to If I right remember next- correctly, um, the Spitfire was made by the, uh, by Britain. Yeah. Now that's the iconic mm. fighter plane of World War II, the, the yes. Spitfire and the Hurricane. The Battle yes. of Britain. So really, yeah, really interesting is that little remnant of England in, in Lesotho, ex Basutu land. <clears throat> and right next to it is the war memorial in a little spot called Mokoa Yane Square in the middle of Masiru. And it's just a, the, it's just the, Commemorates all the servicemen from the Sutu who served in both world wars. Okay. The Sutu also, also partook in World War One. And yeah, uh, it's an interesting one because on top of this war memorial is a bronze cast of a crocodile. Oh. And when you look at the iconography of, of Lesotho, if you look at the traditional Basutu shield, it's a very ornate thing with like little wings on it. On their, on their banknotes are pictures of crocodiles. And the crocodile was sort of one of the nicknames that the Zulus actually gave Mosheshwe. Because when you think of a crocodile, when you think of a crocodile in water, all you see is two little eyes sticking up above the water. Yeah. And the Zulus said the, that the Basutus are like crocodiles because all you see is their two little eyes sticking up above the rocks. As they, <laughs> as they defending the mountain passes and things. So, yeah. so the crocodile got adopted as the, as sort of the, the, the animal totem of, of yeah. the Zutus. And, um, you know, and the Zulus, like I said, the Zulus tried to get the Basutus out of, out of the mountains and the Boers tried and the English tried and no one got it right. And yeah. the other name for the, for well, the Basutus was the, was the, the swallow people. Cause like the swallows make their little nests up on the rocks. Yes. Yes. The Basutus also made their little huts up on the rocks and stuff. So they were also known as the swallow people, but, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that war memorial is actually, is actually pretty cool. And is, and of, of, of those, um, Basutus that served in, in World War II, about 400 of them were killed. And their names are, uh, although they are commemorated on that little memorial in, in, in Masiru. So although yeah. I say, well, although I say the Masiru is a scrappy little town, there are one or two really cool little spots that you, that you can visit there. But the N8, the N8 actually starts at the South African border post, um, at Masiru Bridge. So, I mean, as you go over the bridge, I mean, the name, the name just changes to the A2 as you go into, into the city, but it's basically the same, the same road. Yeah. So the N8, the N8 does a bit of a windy, windy and, uh, you scout, you skirt just south of, of, um, Lady Brand. 
Okay. But there's an interesting character buried in Lady Brain. And I'm not, I'm not, this is not counting as one of my detours. Okay. This from the N8, you can actually just skirt the south of Lady Brain. So I'm counting this as part yeah. of the N8. Is, uh, <laughs> a guy, a guy, the guy buried in Lady Brand is Sid, is Roby Sydney Labrant. Now, oh, wow. I think we've come across this character before because he boxed for South Africa as the light heavyweight in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Okay. And he was very, very taken with Hitler and the Nazi propaganda and ideology. Yeah, etc. Et and he actually trained with the German military as a parachute trooper and became completely enmeshed in the Nazi war machine. Yeah. And there's some controversy about it because the story's never really, I think, properly come out. But he returned to South Africa in an, in a, in an operation called Operation Weissdurren, White Thorn. Which was intended okay. to, which was intended to overthrow the Smuts government. The Smuts was fine. Yes. The Smuts took South Africa into the war on the side of Britain. Yeah. And here comes Roby Labrant, this iconic picture boy, boxer, you know, Olympic guy. Yes. And he now comes in and, and, and is the Nazi, Nazi spy stroke operative that now is trying to foment a revolution against Jan Smuts. Yeah. But he was, he was captured. I mean, it, it fizzled out into nothing. He was tried for high, high treason. Um, and normally his high treason is death. Yes. Penalty, but somehow he wormed his way out of it, but he was actually after, he was actually released just after the war. Okay. He quietly disappeared and eventually died and died in 1996, 1966. But he, he's actually buried here in Lady Brandt. Okay. So kind of a kind of an interesting interesting character. And in Lady Brandt itself, of course, you got the 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 Anglo Boer War Memorial just outside the Dutch Reformed Church. You know, the, I think we know we know we know about why those ones are around now. And um then there's another interesting grave in Lady Brandt for a, a lady by the name of Einke Einke Skippers. And she was born in Swellendam in 1806. And she was one of the original foot trekkers, but her husband died of malaria on the Louis Trichard trek. Louis Trichard, the guy that went up through, right up through Limpopo, yes. went around and there's a lovely memorial for him in Maputo. Yeah. Um, when, when half, when, when, when just about all of them died of malaria in Maputo. But she, she took over as head of the household and she must have been one heck of a woman because she was actually one of the scouts who found the route okay. to the Drakensberg. Oh, nice. So that flower monument as you going down past Harrysmith and stuff, I think is kind of, kind of the ideal of Einke Skippers. Yes. As a real, I mean, she must have been one heck of a character. But, uh, yeah, she settled in Lady Brandt eventually, remarried, and, uh, died in 1878. But just, yes. uh, it's, it's actually a very nice memorial. She's got a, there's a nice, nice bronze plaque and picture, very, in a very, very serene little, little surroundings there. So that's, 
that's kind of cool. But anyway, the N8, the N8 then head, heads off now. And you're going through, literally through the Farfalato fluctus of the Free State. I mean, that's, that's flat. It's flat, 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 flat. And you're heading, yeah. and you're heading into Bloemfontein. But just outside Bloemfontein, you come across the Battle of Sanaspos, Sanaspos Monument. Okay. And Sanaspos was fought on the 31st of March, 1900. And it was the first battle after the fall of Bloemfontein to the British. Because the British still had this military idea that if you occupy the capitals of the countries that you are fighting, the forces yeah. will surrender. And uh, that didn't work so lucky in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, nothing works like <laughs> other places. <laughs> South Africa is unique. Yeah, but what makes what makes Sanas Pos interesting is that the guy with him at General Broadwood was stationed there because Sanas Pos is the main water supply into Bloemfontein. And obviously oh, okay. in, in a war situation, clean water is always an issue because the minute you start getting dirty water, all sorts of diseases like typhoid and all these fun things tend to come up. So Sanaspos was a real strategic point to help maintain the occupation of Bloemfontein. Yes. And Christian De Vett, our old friend General Christian De Vett. Yeah. He, he realized this. Javette was one of these real, he, he was a, a really, really clever and a very, very savvy general. And the vet actually attacked Sanaspos at, in, in March 1900 because he realized the strategic importance of it. Yeah. And it can actually be considered the first hit and run tactic used by the Boers in the war. This is a very, okay. broad, very broadly speaking, the Boer War can be divided into two phases. You've got the conventional phase of the war that wound up in all those sieges of the various towns like Ladysmith and Muffa King, etc. Yeah. And once the sieges were broken, the Boers actually sort of had to upstakes and become mobile. And the last set-piece battle, as it were, of the war was actually the Battle of Barakhamdal, which was in August 1900. So you can kind of see, yeah, he has March, March 1900 here in the Free State, August yeah. 1900 in um, Barakhamdal, which is on that main road as you're heading out just past um, uh, well, that's, on, that's on the way down to down to Pumalanga, just on the edge of the escarpment there, just past Belfast. Yeah. So this battle then was the actual first Time the Boers used this real mobile type of warfare, and uh, consider the picture of the Boers they actually took it and they caused they caused complete chaos and mayhem. So just an interesting little little aside there, but then you actually come into Bloemfontein proper. Now I don't know. I think we're going to have to do an entire podcast or maybe even two podcasts just on Bloemfontein itself. Yes. Because the N8 actually comes into Bloom and runs straight through the city center. So maybe we just sort of whet everyone's appetite and give one or two little spots that are right on the, on the main road. Yes. And, uh, let's, let's, let's choose here. 
One of the iconic buildings in Bloemfontein is, um, its nickname is the, the Tuyatuarang Church, the Twin Tower Church in Bloemfontein. Now, normally when you look at the church, it's normally just got one church spire. But this is one of the, one of the just slightly unique, unique design. It's got two beautiful spires out of it. And it, and it comes right, but goes right back to 1878. President Jan Brandt actually laid the cornerstone. And, uh, all the Orange Free State pre- presidents were members of the church. And the name has changed now. And it's actually, it's actually called now the Towers of Hope. Okay. A very, very cool. It's just, it's just a real beautiful, beautiful building. But your skirts, you actually, the, the N8 actually splits into two, into two separate, separate rows because of the one, the one way system they got in Bloemfontein. You, and you skirt the main city center. So you go past the Bloemfontein city hall, beautiful, beautiful building. You got statues to General Herzog. You've got the National Museum in Bloemfontein. And, uh, that's always worth a visit. Those national museums are amazing. And this one, Concentrates on the, um, zoology, paleontology and ornithology of the, of the free state in Lesotho. And the free state Lesotho area, we've spoken about this once or twice before, is a massive, massive source of, of dinosaurs and, and, uh, yeah. paleontological relics. And they've actually got a, an animal called a Lesothosaurus. A Lesotosaurus. Okay. <laughs> How did they manage that? I, I love those names, a Lesotosaurus. And that, that, and that, that thing's an angel, two, two, just, I was just over 200 million years old. And that, and that's on display there. And, um, just as you, as you know, kind of passing that city center and guys, remember that I've got like another 30, 40 spots and just in the city center that we can chat about. Yeah. And there's quite a nice one there called, called the, the, the Pulanong Memorial. And it's one of the, one of the newer, newer memorials in Bloemfontein. It was unveiled in, in 2003. And it's also known as the Cleansing, Healing and Reparation Memorial. Yeah, I've got okay. words inscribed on it in English, Afrikaans, and uh, Sasutu. It's got a beautiful little mo- mosaic um, bench and stuff on it. And the words, it, it's 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 about the um, oppression of the past, and the words yeah. of the oppression caused are, are engraved in the panels. On the, on the bottom of this memorial in, in, and, and you actually walk over it, which is a symbolic representation of actually being victorious over that, over the yeah. oppression. Oppression. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, kind of a cool little memorial to have a look at. It's very pretty. I mean, the mosaics and stuff in there are really, really, really pretty. Yeah. But then as you, as you then now, now I think we just, we, we leave, we leave Bloemfontein out on the N8. And I mean, there's also, I mean, there's just so much to see. And the Frower Monument is in Bloemfontein. The Tank Museum is in Bloemfontein. The, the National Anglo-Boer War Museum is in Bloemfontein. Um, there is just Those so much. Big, big there ones. is just so much, so much, so much, so much, so much. And also on the University of the Free State, the NH skirts the University of the Free State. There's also a whole gaggle of historical spots. Um, 
to visit there. But the N8 then sort of bends. You got to you got to take a the N8 is one of those weird ones again where it has a little break on it. You got to you hit the N1. You got to swing down on the N1 south for a little bit to rejoin the N8. Um, and then you go out past De Brug. A lot of the army guys will remember De Brug. The parachute battalions were always out there. Massive training grounds out on the De Brug. Fluctus. Uh, <laughs> I also had the, I don't know if you want to call it misfortune or good fortune of being on the training grounds in De Brug for a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then, Little tiny little town called Pietrasburg. <clears throat> Real little farming community. And it's, it's an interesting, again, that's a very interesting area you're driving through because it's real flat lands, but covered, absolutely covered in little pans everywhere. There's little flays and little water bodies. Oh, yes. All, yes. all over the place. And in Pietrasburg is a 1988 great trick commemoration monument and it's, it's actually a slightly different one because it's actually got a little ox wagon wheel set out made with stones in in a little concrete like a little concrete plinth so it's a slightly oh, different okay. design slightly different design to them to the normal ones i mean there is a little monu- monument with a little stone cuppy and obviously the the normal concrete plinth with the old ox wagon tracks in it they they have to do have to do that. Yeah. And uh it's just, you know, the nineteen eighty-eight commemoration or nineteen eighty eight Great Trek commemoration was one of one of two different festivals that was that was hosted during the administration of PW Buerta. But uh <laughs> it's the, the, the nineteen the nineteen thirty-eight Great Trek Centenary Memorial is in the same in the same area. So they've got the two Different memorials okay, on the same, so they got on the same little them, yeah. spot. Yeah, on the same little spot. But then the N8 gets into Kimberley. And just Kimberley, Kimberley is one of those funny little spots again that um, is just inside the border of of the Northern Cape. And, and the, the British always tried to hold on to Kimberley because of the diamond mines. Yeah. And the N8 comes in, comes into Bloemfontein. From the southeast, and one a little monument there that you, that that is kind of a a unique one, in that there's a, a monument there to commemorate the opening of the N8 highway. Oh, nice! Yeah, it's right right on the border of um, the Free State and the and the Northern Cape. So I don't know if this is like a provincial thing, is a bit of an up yours from one province to the other one or something. But uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it commemorates the opening of the of the NA National Highway. It, it was un- unveiled by the guy by the name of Dula Omar, the then Minister of Transport in two thousand and four. And it's exactly on the historic boundary between the Free State and the Cape Colony, or and the or the, the Cape Colony at that stage, more correctly known than as um, Griqualand West. Yeah, yeah. So it's a monument. So that that monument is is one that you we never actually see. You don't. There's no monuments to opening of highways. Yeah. And when you're at that monument, 
You are just north of the Battle of Magersfontein. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I really cannot remember if we've ever, ever chatted about um, Magersfontein before. Yes, we have. I'm sure yeah. Magersfontein is coming there, and it's one of those spooky spots where the, 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 your hair your hair stands on end when you walk that battlefield of Magersfontein. I felt it on Magersfontein. I felt it like Isan Juana. And, yeah. Marcus Fontaine, I think more correctly, I think we should, you should chat about Marcus Fontaine when we do the N12, because the N12 comes south out of Kimberley and then it's reachable off the N12. But if you've got the time, Marcus Fontaine is reachable off the N8 and it's, it's one of those spots that is just really, really worth, worth visiting. And it's got a beautiful museum. It's got uh, an interesting little memorial of Marcus Fontaine is the, for the Scandinavian Corps. Okay. And, and um, there were enough volunteers out of Sweden, Denmark, and Norway to actually form an entire corps that fought on the side of the Boers. Okay. But anyway, so anyway, the N8, the N, we'll, we'll do Marcus Fontaine. Maybe we do a podcast on iconic battles or something as well at some point. It could kind of be worthwhile. There's lots of experts that you can maybe bring in to chat about these different battles. Yeah, uh, that just, would be awesome. Just as you're now coming in, you've just gone past that little N8 highway memorial monumenty thing. And, uh, there's a little Pioneers of Aviation museum that used to be the, the the first pilot training school for South African pilots was located in Kimberley. Oh, yes. Very, very close to the Kimberley airport. And um, there's a little there's a little museum there, so the aviation enthusiasts will definitely enjoy that. Yeah. And um, there's also, on obviously, at, at the museum, there's a little Pioneers of Aviation monument here. And... That monument in, in, in honor of the first fighter pilots trained in in South Africa. And it was a little spot called Patterson's Flying School. And uh, the instructor there was a guy by the name of Edward Cheeseman. His grave is also there at the monument. And the interesting part about it is the monument, there's actually the remains of Kenneth van der Spey's remains are in there. And um, that makes the monument actually a mausoleum. Those are the, so a monument is just a monument, but if you, if you inter someone's remains in there, it becomes what's called a mausoleum. Yes, yes. And, uh, Van der Spey, Van der Spey was one of the, one of the pilots that actually went up to, into Europe and actually fought in little biplanes in World War One. And he's buried at yeah. the then as you're coming into, into town, you're just skirting north of the airport and you're coming into the southern side of, of Kimberley. There's a gunner's memorial at a place called the Discobolos base. And, uh, this, this particular memorial commemorates the South African air defense artillery. And interesting, interesting design on it because the, the plinth, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cannon on a, on a base called a plinth. And the plinth yes. is actually in the design of our highest military award at the time for the Honoris Crux. Oh, okay. And the Honoris Crux is a very ornate cross design, and the cannon or the gun sits on this plinth, which is uh, in the shape of, of that Honoris Crux. 
And awesome. it's an old First World War anti-aircraft gun known as Skinny Liz. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, Skinny it's a 15, it's a 15 pounder breech loaning gun, which is, which was used by one of our anti-aircraft regiments in, 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 in World War One. And interesting enough, it actually was part of the, the South, Af- the South African campaign into Namibia in World War One. Oh, okay. We've chatted about that one as well, where South African, yeah. South African forces went into German Southwest Africa at the time. And one of the big fights there was a place called Trick Copies. And, um, <clears throat> that, that particular cannon now stands here at uh, Kimberley. But, um, yeah. It was originally it was originally called Lizzie Skinner, but uh, Lizzie General Skinner General Skinner didn't like that name, so then it became um, Skinny Liz. Skinny Liz. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. But anyway, so the the N eight comes into comes into Kimberley, and Kimberley again is one of these massively massively historical sites. And it's obviously diamonds were discovered in Kimberley. Kimberley was one of the siege towns during. The Anglo-Boer War, um, Cecil Rhodes has got a huge footprint here in Kimberley. Uh, yeah. Hello, he owned the diamond mines and he was part of the, the, the whole story with the Anglo-Boer War and he funded the Jamison raid. And, you know, so it's a yeah. hugely, hugely, um, historical town. And one of my, doesn't he, doesn't he, uh, own a hotel in there, Kimberley well, as well? No, where that one comes in, and one of my favorite spots to stay in Kimberley is what's called the old Kimberley Club. Ah, and the Kimberley the one, yeah. Club is was actually Cecil John Rhodes's like club at the time of the mines. You're talking 1870s, 1880s, um, when this thing was 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 happening, and Kimberley was a massive boom town with diamond mines, and and Rhodes and his compatriots used to assemble assemble in the Kimberley Club. Yeah, and when you go into the Kimberley Club, there's statues of roads everywhere. And it's just one of these real spots, old leather chairs, billiard table, you know, a couple of trophies on the wall, dark wood paneling everywhere. It's, 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 yeah. it's absolutely stunning. And there's, I mean, they've got the, the rooms have still got old bars on the little claw feet. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's uh, an absolutely brilliant place to stay in. Absolutely brilliant place to stay. And the, the, the legends are that one of the rooms is still haunted. We've tried to stay up there and, and, and look for the spook, but the spook didn't arrive when we were around. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, an interesting little spot in the Kimberley Club is when you walk out the main door, there's a, there's a, there's a, a little arrow that's been engraved into the flagstones. And the legend is that Cecil Rhodes actually had that made and especially put in there because there was a discussion one night over a couple of drinks in the bar. And Cecil Rhodes always had this dream of, you know, look north, young man, look north, because he, he said that's where the future of the empire was. And one of his, em- yeah. one of his dreams was sort of this, this, this unbroken line of British influence from Cape Town right up through to um, Cairo. And that, yeah. was, and that was the inspiration for the railway line, the Victoria Falls railway line, all that stuff is belongs to Cecil Rhodes. Yes. They couldn't agree where North was. I think there was, I think there was beer involved, but they couldn't agree where <laughs> North was. <laughs> so the next day Rhodes had the, had the North arrow implanted 
in the in the flagstones on the veranda of the kingdom. Yeah. So you can still stand there now. You open up the door, <laughs> you stand there, and there's a little arrow pointing north, and then I think then 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 the yeah. island ended. But uh, uh, so that must be where the saying in Afrikaans comes from, "Kijk noord." Yeah, and probably. Noord. Probably, <laughs> probably we won't we won't go into the second part of that of that of that saying. <laughs> yeah, I left that part out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could very well be. But I mean, that was that was roads. But the N the N eight comes into Kimberley, and the very very first. I mean, you go through a little bit of built up stuff. I mean, you're into the main section of town. But you then hit a traffic circle. In the middle of that traffic circle is a beautiful monument called the Honored Dead Memorial. And there's a massive gun there called Long Cecil. Long Cecil, okay. Long Cecil. And this this memorial commemorates <laughs> the defenders of Kimberley during the, the Anglo-Boer War, the South African War, because Kimberley was one of the towns that was besieged. Ladies with Kimberley and Mafeking were besieged. And... Kimberley was besieged by uh, Generals Piet Kronhier uh, and uh, General Ferreira. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you've you got to think about the defenders in Kimberley. I mean, they sat there from October, October 1899. 14th of October 1899 is the day recognizes sort of the start of the siege. And the siege was only lifted on the 25th of February. Ah. Okay. So November, December, just four months, five months, you, you're sitting there, no decent supplies coming in, et cetera, et cetera. So, and the Boers had, had the big cannons, you know, the, um, the long Tom cannons. And Cecil yeah. Rhodes basically owned the mines in Kimberley at the time. So everything that went with the mines, the workshops, et cetera, et cetera, all of the stuff he owned. Yeah. And to give you an idea of of Rhodes, Rhodes Rhodes fascinates me as 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 a as a character and as just as the footprint he left here. He decides that um, they also need cannons now, so he commissions his workshop to build cannons. Yeah, in Kimberley and okay. Long Cecil. And I mean, it's actually quite funny because the other guns were called long toms. The Cecil cannot be, un- cannot be un- outdone by the Boers. So his gun is now called long Cecil. I think there might be, <laughs> yeah. I think there might be a bit of projection on that one. But anyway, and uh, <laughs> a, guy, a guy by the name of George Labram, George Labram, an engineer guy, manages to produce cannons and builds artillery pieces in the workshops in Kimberley. Yeah. And that gun stands there. At the Honored Dead Memorial. But just as you, as you're hitting the circle, just on the left hand side, there's a whole collection of little spots there. And it's kind of centered around a little military museum and, um, the Moth Garden of Remembrance, just, just off to the left hand side of the N8. Yeah. You've got the Moth Garden. You've got the Moth Wa, which is the woman's auxiliary, um, Organization allied to the moths, but you've got, yes. you've got an old, um, honey tank parked, parked there in, in those gardens. You've got, um, I'm just trying to, trying to see where, where this one is here. You've got an old Impala. That's what I was thinking of. You've got an old Impala jet also mounted oh. on a, on a 
I don't know what you call it on a, on a, on a, on a pole. And obviously that's, that's in honor of the role Kimberly played in the South African military aviation, having the flying school. Yeah. Et there. Um, so as you get into that circle, it's actually worth stopping. Park off there, have a look in that little garden of remembrance there run by the moth, by the moth organization. You got the Impala, you got the tanks, you got memorials, you got some other statues, you got memorials to the pioneers of aviation. You've got the, on a dead memorial, you've got the long Cecil gun there. You quite happily spend half an hour or 45 minutes pottering around that traffic circle. Um, yeah. As you're getting into Kimberley. Then it, then, then the NA takes a, takes a slight dog leg and starts heading, heading off a little bit more towards the, towards the northwest. You go past Kimberley Boys High, one of the famous South African schools. Yeah. There's, uh, um, a centenary monument on the school grounds there. But then, then the N8 again has a little break in it because the N8 intersects the N12 and somehow the N12 is more important than the N8. So for a couple of hundred meters, it becomes the N12. And then when you turn <laughs> left, <laughs> then when you turn left in town again, it becomes the N8. That's and weird. just, just, just at that intersection is, um, a little, a little monument they call the, the Francis Bart monument. Oh, Francis Bart, yes. Bar- Francis Bart has got a monument there. And she was a member of the ANC Women's League and what was then at, at the time called the UDF, United Democratic Front. She was a teacher. Oh, yeah. She was part of the 1952 Defiance campaign. She was president of the 1955 Freedom Charter, Freedom Charter. As well as the 1956 Women's March to the, to the Union buildings are very, very active. Yeah. Uh, in the anti-apartheid movement in the early days of that anti-apartheid movement. And she was imprisoned twice. And, um, I'm not sure if she was banned. The old South African government had that system of banning people. I don't even remember that. When if you were, if you were banned, you had to go and live in a little housey somewhere and you weren't allowed to associate with more than three or four people at once and you weren't allowed to attend. Yeah. Kind of stuff. So she was actually, she was, I think she was actually banned and she, um, had to go live in a little spot called Bukenhout and then eventually to Mabopani. But, um, there's actually, uh, the district, the, the municipal district is actually now called the Francis Bart municipal district. And that was named after yeah. in, in 2001. <clears throat> so, yeah, again, inter- interesting character, one of the newer ones. But as you hit that intersection just up on the right, if you turn right up there, is you actually you get to the Kimberley Club. And around the Kimberley Club, I mean, you've got statues to Captain Sailor Malan, um, one of the, one of the, one of our, our, our famous pilots. You've got Cecil John Rhodes monuments. You've got, um, yeah, what, what do I say? I mean, do we, it's just, there's just so much. And the town, yeah. Center, the town center is just up as you hit that intersection. You got to turn right now to continue in the N8. The town center is a little bit up on the right hand side. And, uh, and then as you, as you're driving now, you're actually just on the southern side of the Kimberley big hole. Yes. So the big hole is obviously what made Kimberley famous. It is the world's last, world's largest man-made excavation. And yeah. 
There's a fantastic museum around around the big hole. There's interactive displays there. There's it's a really really stunning little spot. And I've got one lovely story from from the Kimberley Big Hole. I mean, De Beers has put up a stunning display there of diamond mining. You can you go in. There's a there's a there's a video presentation that explains the whole diamond story and how they found out that there were diamonds there. And it was actually a traveling salesman who picked up a shiny stone that was owned by a little boy on a farm. Yes, and, yes. Uh, he he picked up this little stone. He eventually sent it off to go and have it. Analyze, and I remember if you remember a guy by the name of Galpin down in um, Grahamstown. We've done yes. Grahamstown before with that the little the, the, the toposcope spot is. Galpin in Grahamstown actually identified the diamond out of, out of Kimberley, and that's yeah. how the whole diamond industry started. And obviously discovered this 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 pipe of kimberlite, which is the the, the rock type that is old volcanic. Rock that holds diamond, yeah. and that, yeah. that's where this whole thing started. <coughs> so, I mean, they've got a fantastic interactive display, video presentations, and stuff. And then you go into a, a little mock-up of a mine, you know. So you get into what a so-called lift, and then this thing shakes and bangs, and and I mean, I think I think it moves all of five meters. Um, yeah, the doors open on the other side, and now you're in the mine in inverted commas. And yeah. you, you sort of underground and they, they've made this like a rock face and there's displays and interpretive displays everywhere and old mining kit, et cetera, et cetera. But they've done it very, very well. And that at some point you cross obviously some kind of infrared beam or something that's underground. But yeah. myself and my daughter were walking through this thing and unbeknownst to us, we crossed this beam. And before you realize what's happening, there's sirens going and there's alarms sounding and sort of clear the area, clear the area, you know, sirens and things are blasting. We're looking around going, what the heck is happening here? And then there's a massive bang and explosion and there's lights flashing and, and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And it's a a simulated (laughs) dynamite explosion underground. Yeah. And it's triggered as you're now walking into the area. By this infrared beam. Well, I turn around, and my my let's 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 be nice. My daughter's not a runner. Okay, she's a swimmer. She plays yeah. polo and stuff. She's not a runner. But man, that day she ran. That thing <laughs> <laughs> that he was gone. Went off. I turn around, and she was already down the end of the passage. <laughs> 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 but the, the whole the whole museum is filled with these kind of things. You know, you walk, <laughs> they've, they've recreated the old village. So they've got an old bank and they've got an old bottle store and an old chemist and old doctor's rooms, you know. And you, you walk in and as you walk in, you trigger the display and then the little puppet starts talking to you and some music goes and the piano starts playing. And yeah. that's a really, really worthwhile visit. It really is. It's just a really stunning little spot. Yeah, I, I like the Afrikaans uh, name for Kimberley's hole, Kimberley Zachat. Kimberley Zachat. But, you know, we, we joke about it, but again, it's, it's, it's a really, really interesting spot to go and, um, and explore. You can happily spend a half, half a day in, in, in the, in the museum at the, at, at the big hole. Yeah. 
But anyways, but we, we digress. I mean, I'm okay. And I mean, the, the big hole is right there, just, 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 just on the N8. But the N8 now sort of goes, goes through the last little bits and pieces at Kimberley. And then, then you're heading out. And this is real fat for lot to fluctu stuff now as you're getting out of Kimberley. That's real flat. You, you're just on the southern end of the, of the Kalahari. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I just, I, I do love that part of the, um, of the world. I really enjoy that Northern Cape and that real, um, silence and open, open deserty kind of areas. Yeah. Because I think one of the highways there, I don't know if it's the N8, but for like 250 kilometers, there's no town, nothing. Mm. I don't know which one it is. Uh, it's the same. It's the same as when you're driving in on the N14 into Uppington. You got these massive stretches of straight, straight, straight road, and there's just nothing. It's yeah, just, just there's just a little fence on the side of the road, and miles and miles and miles of farmland and rangeland. Yeah, but as we, as you're coming out there, just to the north of it, and this, this I can't. This is one of my, one of my, my detours, is a bit of a macabre little site, but it's called Young Blooms. Gallows tree or the Chalkboom. Okay. Yeah. And Jan Bloom was leader of a local Korana community, the Koranas being the indigenous tribe that, that, that lived there. And their village was little, a little spot called Riverbend, pretty close to Barkley West, just south of Barkley West, yeah. And this tree was used as the official spot of Bloom's tribal court. Yeah. And these guys had the death penalty. So any, any serious crime, you were hanged. And yeah. it's believed that the graves around the tree, they are actually from the prisoners that were hanged. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, not, not sure that you really want to go visit that, but, uh, anyway. So, but that's just to the yeah. night. Then the, then the, like, oh, we almost, we almost at the intersection here where it, <laughs> where it joins the N10. But you think just, for interest sake, just for interest sake, uh, for the English speaking people, um, uh, Hulk basically means gallows. Yeah. Gallows, the gallows tree, the hanging tree. Yeah. But then, then you're heading out and you just, you got, you, you go through one or two tiny little towns and you get, get to Greek or start. In Greek was that is a 1938 Great Trek Memorial. I, they, I don't know how many of these Great Trek Memorials we found around the country, but uh, yeah. all over the spot. But Greek was that also has the interesting, interesting, um, kind of honor. It's got a little memorial there to Mary Moffat. Okay. And Mary Moffat was the eldest daughter of the missionary Robert Moffat and the wife of David Livingston. Mary Moffat married David Livingston. And yeah. Livingston <coughs> also <coughs> tread some deep tracks in this area. And Livingston also, if you go straight north out of Greekwistat, you hit Kuruman. And yeah. Kuruman is where David Livingston settled for 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 a couple of years as well and 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 he used kuruman 
as a launch pad for a lot of his explorations and eventually Victoria Falls, etc., etc. Yes. But in, in Griekostat, it's this little museum named after Mary Moffat. And Mary, Mary Moffat was actually born in Griekostat. And one of the historic pulpits that they use there is on display there. And the pulpit was used by David Livingston. David Livingston, however, I think has the rather dubious distinction of all those known as a missionary. I think he only ever had one convert. So he, he used the missionary thing <laughs> as, as like a, a vehicle to do his, all his, all his exploration and et cetera, et cetera. But I think Livingston's yeah. lasting legacy is obviously the, well, discovery in a bit of commas of the Victoria Falls, but he, Exposed the extent of the slave trade in yeah. northern Mozambique, Malawi, that was being run by the Arab traders off the east coast. Yes. That is where his legacy is. He exposed that massive, massive slave trade up that side. But, um, interesting enough, when Grigotan was actually surveyed, the wall of this little mission station was used to actually lay out the town. They they considered that the straight line, and they used this the, that building then to make squares and actually lay out the little town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the Greek was we the Greek was again one of those 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 funny little groups. This, I mean, the Greek was came from this area, and then you're talking about Adam Cook. Then she comes all the way across that second great trek and moves all the way down into KZN. Yes. That story played out in this, in this area here. Yeah. And I mean, that, that I think is still one of my favorites, favorite podcasts, podcast number four or number five or something where we, yes, where we, where we, um, do the story of Adam Cook and his, and the second, the second great trek when he moved all from this area right across the country down into into KZN. And I just, and I also just love, love the names. Um, and the uh, Andris Waterboer was, uh, yeah. <laughs> the leader of the Greek community there. Andris Waterboer, water farmer. But yeah, <laughs> but, uh, your, your, your next, your next stop on the N8 is actually Groblers Whoop. And that's the intersection then with the N10. So yes. that just about covers that like an east west highway. And lots and lots and lots of history there. I mean, Kimberley, I've, I've happily spent two, three days in Kimberley at a stretch before just exploring the monuments and museums and the big hole. Bloemfontein on its own is also two, three days. So if you do decide yeah. to do that highway, you can happily spend a week, a week or 10 days exploring that highway from Masiru across almost into Uppington. And it's, a, it's, it's got a, Awful lot of little hidden treasures and things there. Yes. Awesome. But lacquer, let's let's call that a day now on this one. And uh, don't 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 know um, what our next one is. I'll think of the next one. Maybe we look at the N nine or the N ten. The N ten is going to be a long one because that goes all the way from from Namibia through Uppington. Uppington also interesting spot all the way down down through the mountains through the middle of South Africa. All the way down. Yeah. And that is also all sorts of stories there. Yeah. So that was an interesting one, especially Long Sissel. Long Sissel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
conjures, conjures up all sorts of strange stories that we won't go into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, dear boss, that was a good one in here. Appreciate it. And until the next one, see you again, guys. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers, man. Bye.